Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's me again, Julian Bleeker, with another episode of the Near Future Laboratory podcast. Actually, this is a mini-sode, a miniature episode, a bit like those little candies you get around Halloween, the Snickers minis, snickery, snackable little morsel for your ear holes. So this mini-sode is about alt-living on Mars, and the Mars I'm talking about is a fascinating little pop-up college alt-living community that appears in the winter in the desert of California. It's mars.college. That's a URL. If you're curious to look it up, Mars College describes itself as an educational program, R&D lab, and off-grid residential community dedicated to cultivating a low-cost, high-tech lifestyle. Mm. They produce their own power, teach their own courses, cook their own food, generate their own power. Wait, did I say that? Yeah. And somehow they manage to be off-grid, but still online. So why am I telling you all of this? Well, one of our tier one members of the Near Future Laboratory cohort, Camille McRae, went to Mars College for three months and has come back just now with a safe parachute re-entry into the dense atmosphere of our studio in Oakland. And I managed to grab her for a 20-minute after-action report on her time there. And now the usual notes. If you want to support this podcast and participate in the Near Future Laboratory's endeavors, consider becoming a supporter over at patreon.com slash nearfuturelaboratory. It's super cheap, super easy, super worth it, and it might even serve you better than the coffee and scone that also costs $8 a month. Seriously, get behind this and show your love. Our forthcoming book, The Manual of Design Fiction, is literally going to print as soon as we can find a truckload of the special paper that, you know, Nick Foster demanded. You'll want to get on our mailing list to be sure you're on the mailing list. Who writes this stuff? Because this first printing will be super swaggy, no doubt. Seriously, we're pulling out all the stops in this from a production standpoint. But you may actually be more interested in working with us, which is amazing. We do futures design and design fiction projects with all kinds of organizations and teams. How do we start? It's easy. Just email me, julian at nearfuturelaboratory.com. Okay, Mars College. Let's go! Check, check, check. check. Hey. Hey, Julian. You doing? Doing good. How are you? (laughs) I'm okay. (laughs) But uh, yeah, first tell me, who are you? I'm Camille. I'm an aspiring futurist. I've done uh, a lot of work in the neon art space, and I work with this speculative design group that's started by near future laboratories and I like to create uh, scenarios and products for the mundane future. This fall I'm entering grad school at Art Center in the media design practices department and I'm excited. Uh, Relocating to Los Angeles is going to be interesting. So I'm really looking forward to uh, just digging in and creating a lot of work, you know, and having kind of the focus be creating work instead of like, how can I fit creating work into the rest of my life? I thought it would just be fun just to talk about what life on Mars was like. Let's do it. Yeah. So tell me what the experience was like. Like, well, how did you even get to the point of being like, I'm going to go do this thing? Um. So I was told by one of my dear friends, who's a huge kind of Bitcoin maximalist, but we had lived together in an alternate living community like five or six years ago. I was living in a giant warehouse with a bunch of people converting shipping containers into tiny homes. 
and he was there doing the same thing. So he found out about Mars. He went uh, last year and he invited me to visit for the weekends and I did. Uh, and I fell in love with it. And so I was like, wow, like I have to come back next year for the full three months. Like I, I need to further experience this, you know, kind of self-reliant uh, desert living proto solar punk lifestyle. And what was it that you loved? There's a lot of communal trust. You know, it's kind of a, it's a high degree of communal trust. And because it's a self-selecting group, you know, people are motivated to be there and they're motivated to make the community work. And I think it's hard to find that motivation in other kind of communities. And I just love alternate living. You know, I don't think the default world works for most people. Mm. And finding ways to survive and live outside of that is something that speaks to me just in terms of, yeah, like, guess what? If it doesn't work for you, you don't have to try to make it work for you. You can try something else. Yeah. And most people don't feel like they're unable to do that because yeah. they they don't necessarily know the options, right? Right. So, yeah, I want to I want to get into that. Then what? It, so I don't want to assume that that uh, what your default way of living is. So describe to me what the yeah the quote unquote default. Mm. Way of default, you know, wake up, go to my nine to five job. You know, not necessarily like most people don't feel passionate about their job, right? Most people have a job because they need to make money because they need to afford to live, you know, and that means rent car insurance, phone bill, you know, devices, Wi-Fi, gas, water, etc. So those are kind of default society things that, you know, you only need to afford to live in an apartment if you have to live in an apartment and you want it to be near your job if you want to have a higher quality of life because you know the more time you spend commuting the less your quality of life is right and that's like a very kind of known statistic and then you know you live in a city and maybe you hate it you know maybe you don't like being surrounded by people all the time maybe you don't like you know people leaving trash on the street or like kind of all the visible homelessness etc and it's like do i have to live this way this is the way i've been taught to live right it's like that or suburbia seem like the kind of presented visions and there's life outside of that you know and especially now because and the pandemic really you know kick-started well everyone can work from home right and there's this digital nomadism and remote work is super normalized now and so it enabled people to think kind of further outside of like oh like do i actually have to live in the state of california to work at this california company So I feel like just kind of freedom and also like, hey, if my cost of living is lower, maybe I only have to work for 20 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week. Yeah. Is it, and, and there must be like a spectrum or like it, I, 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 I sort of imagine this expanding from the, from the, from the, the hyper default. Totally, totally. I mean, I think that's why young people, you know, flock to cities where the cost of living isn't so high you know, compared to other places. Like you're seeing right now, there's kind of this big California to Texas, to Oregon exodus, you know, and I think it's like people are finding places with lower cost of living that are kind of comparable in terms of quality of life. So it's just kind of, 
everyone is trying to figure out how to make living life work for them and everyone has various you know strategies and shortcuts and for me mars represented a way to just research and explore that and just meet all these digital nomads and you know like hey like how are you making living life work for you yeah okay so let's get into mars so what is life like on mars um life is pretty good for the most part it's interesting because there's kind of early mars mid mars and late mars and early mars is really great there's a high degree of community trust everyone is motivated to assemble these temporary structures you know so it's kind of it's bonding through group activities in terms of people assembling these structures to live in assembling you know communal spaces like library media cave kitchen um a bar yeah. Help me feel the structures. Like, what, what are we talking about? So the structures are all based on pallet racks and pallet rack construction. Because pallet racks are designed to maintain a lot of weight because it's mostly designed, you know, for warehouse environments for storage. So these are like so, the things you see in Home Depot. Is that it? Like they're yes, living on Home Depot shelving, you know, adding plywood floors, you know. But for the most part, uh, some areas just had dirt floors or some people would like, you know, stretch canvas on the floor and, you know, still dusty, but less dusty than, you know, just the dust or just like a raised platform as the floor. So this year we kind of had four different structures to represent four different services. And we tried to do it like a house. So there was water house, which was responsible for getting water to people because, you know, we're a mile from the nearest town. So it's not like there are services that are immediately accessible. And there was firehouse, which was responsible for like solar and just making sure the electrical was running okay consistently. There's airhouse that's responsible not, for Wi-Fi. You're not pulling power from, from somewhere else? No, this is off-grid. This is solar panels, battery banks. We're pulling like seven kilowatts, which is pretty great. You know, but things fail over time. So we would assemble solar, you know, and then someone would teach a class like, you know, here's how our solar panel works. So if something is going wrong, we can sort of try to figure out why, you know, is this a battery issue? Is this an inverter issue? You know, we had some inverter overheating. But for the most part, solar maintained throughout the whole uh, three months and uh, we had earth house which was focused on like kitchen duty and figuring out toilets for the first half of mars we tried composting toilets that was terrible everyone hated it so we eventually rented portageons but again you know its idea is designed to fail right. so you know as soon as you're like oh yeah composting toilets in the desert this is a great idea it's a terrible idea desert is too hot there's no like you know, it just becomes like a breeding ground for flies because there's nothing else in the desert for the flies to do or be attracted to. We had two kitchens. We actually had like a separate like meat eaters kitchen and a vegan kitchen. Mm. Um, and that kind of was its own challenge just in terms of, you know, negotiating with people. Um, and so then what else is going? So the infrastructure is there. You've got power, you've got Wi-Fi, amazing. You're off the grid. So it feels kind of cool and intrepid. Um, then what else is going on when you're not when you're not cooking, eating, or 
fixing blood. Uh, we're actually teaching each other. So it's called Mars College uh, because we teach classes, you know, and kind of people, there's a calendar and people say, this is the class I'm going to teach at this time, mm-hmm. you know, and there's no necessarily qualification. You know, classes range from like self-care, you know, manicure day in the desert to, you know, let's talk about AI art with this lecture series that's going to last eight weeks. So, because some people are coming from an academic background, like there's some really, in that space, there's some really like high level, like really, you know, intelligent, like math, biology, PhD holders were there. Um, And there's also a lot of people in the AI art space, just because kind of one of the co-founders, Gene Coogan, built like a fairly known um, artificial intelligent artist named Abraham. So it's, you know, a lot of tech people. So a lot of programming classes, a lot of how to do this thing. And then, you know, how to live at Mars, you know, let's teach everyone how the solar works, you know, and that qualifies as a class. This is not credited. This is, and there's not, there's no accountability, right? It's like you show up or you don't, but it's on you because you're the person motivated to learn this thing. No one forces you to do anything. No one forces you to be anywhere, right? But it reflects on the community, right? Like if you show up and you're like, eh, I don't think I'm going to help build anything, but you can enjoy what everyone else built, but people probably aren't going to think very highly of you, you yeah. know, or maybe your skill sets lie elsewhere and it's like, cool, I'm excited to see you know, your skill sets in action. Right. How how many people are there roughly? This year it was about 40 people. Last year, because of COVID, it was about 20. And I think age ranges are, I think the youngest we had this year was maybe like 19 or 20. And the oldest was probably 65. So it's a really big range. Yeah. And then, so then the other dimension is like the, um, the people dynamics, which is, which is where, where everything ends up. Right. Yeah. Lord of the Flies. Yeah. So what, what's the, what's, what's that dimension? How does that, how does that, how do you experience that? Well, I think my experience was mostly positive with people. There's a high degree of community trust, but also depending on like the choices you made, you would maybe go to certain people for certain advice and other people for other advice. You know, like a lot of the, a lot of the inspiration for Mars came from Burning Man in terms of like, you know, camps with shared services are less expensive than living in an urban area. You know, buying water for 10 people is cheaper than buying water for one person, you know, 10 times, right? So that's kind of the impetus behind some of it. And so it really values, you know, radical self-reliance and self-policing. So if you had issues with community members, there wasn't like a cut and dry way to management, manage it. You know, you'd have a conversation with the person, you know, and depending on how safe or like comfortable or as uncomfortable people felt, people were motivated to go to like the leaders. And I, I use leader as a really loose term because no one is necessarily trying to be a leader. You know, like the guy who started Mars, Freeman, um, whose land we're camping on, um, he's not trying to put himself, you know, in a position of power or in a position of authority. 
he's like, I have this idea, you know, I want to create, like enable people to live in this way and kind of create this camp structure and have, you know, all the pallet racks and materials and stuff for people to use. And I want to teach them this construction method, but I don't want to be your dad. You know, I don't want to be your president. So like, don't come to me with your problems. And it's not like, he doesn't say that directly, but it's kind of implicit in that, you know, we're all adults. We're here to manage our own situations, you know, so don't like come crying if, you know, you get hurt, like manage it like an adult. I mean, there are people who are like working like from this, there, you know, like this is me like, logging into my day job. Like, I'm fascinated by the college aspect. What were some of the other courses that you took? Um, let me pull up the calendar. I'll just, I'll read you a day. Yeah. Well, in the proto solar punk way, we're all about micro transportation, right? We're like a mile away from the nearest town. And like, why walk if you can use an electric unicycle? Okay. So we'll do late January. Sunrise meditation, a dog training. Someone brought a dog, uh, yoga, Mars bod. We had like a workout group called Mars bod. Uh, meditation and love. Neo city work session. Uh, there's an energy study group that was all about different vibrational energies. We all have kind of looking into the like science of that. Uh, GPT three building a chat pot live. I would have gone to that one. Yeah. Jamil taught that he's fun. He's like, He's done some stuff in the DAO space and he told me about coordinate and stuff. Um, music theory, fundamentals for songwriting, Wim Hof breathing, how to DAO week one, a swing dancing class, sunset spin, which is like all the fire spinners go out and teach you things, a digital synesthesia playtime and first meeting, a ceramics. So there's in the town that we're like a mile away from called Bombay Beach. There's a, they have like a kiln there and a ceramic studio. So you can go do ceramics if you want. Neuro study group, a cyber party scheming, informal new media hang and dark arts faculty club congregation. So dark arts is a club. Is that one day or is that? That's one day. Wow. That's one day. So like, because anyone has access to the calendar so they can just drop whatever they want, you know? Got it. So like some things are a lot more organized where like someone's working from a syllabus or curriculum, like uh, the How to Dow. Um, Dylan taught that class. Like he had a really like rich curriculum and like a lot of people built DAOs. We did kind of a test DAO together and it was called Fly DAO and it was all about we need to exterminate the flies. Mm-hmm. So that tells you how much flies were a part of the communal kitchen uh, and composting toilet failure. But stuff like the Dark Arts Club is sort of like, eh, well, the person who runs it, Alejandro, is feeling like, you know, driving his speaker into the desert. And then you just walk towards the music that's just thumping really loud with, you know, a black light shining in the desert. And then you just listen to an album for like an hour, an hour and a half. And that's the club. Got it. Check. A lot of different levels, like because you have like people, professionals working in this space and then you have like, hey, I'm an enthusiast. I want to do this. Yeah. And you're saying that that um, many people are working during the day, but by that I mean their default world job. Yes. 
default world job. Yeah, there's people working like we have to like dump gray water, we have to do a water run, you know, or like we want to extend the Wi-Fi signal, so we need to install some equipment. Uh, but yeah, there are people with default jobs like, hey, you know, I just got this gig at Salesforce, so I need to be available on my computer for these hours, and you know, I'm going to be working on that. Yeah, and so is was there anyone who's like essentially occupied for the eight working hours of the day? Yes, yeah, like a handful. Definitely not the norm, not like the average people. Um, and some people would kind of take vacation or be kind of intermittently available for their job, depending on, you know, what their role is, et cetera. Yeah. One of the challenges of Mars is like, they don't really build private spaces. You know, there are kind of some apartments above communal spaces, but that's pretty limited because of the communal aspects and because we're all fighting the elements mutually. Like there's not a lot of private space unless you're going to where you sleep, you know, and if you're like a van dweller, it's too hot during the day. So you have to be in a communal space. Right. So, and this is mostly kind of the first phase of Mars. During the second phase, uh, more people started migrating in town because town's only a mile away. Because they're so like, it's like well, because people get sick of like, oh man, here I am fighting the elements and I can go to Freeman's house, which is only a mile away, be able to sit indoors and not have to worry about a windstorm and like, you know, be able to use a flushing toilet and be able to shower, like do my laundry, right? So it's like, there's, there's a lot of kind of appeal of being in town and some people like we're living there because they didn't want to live in one of the trailers or in the desert, right? So it's kind of this like, it's a little bit of a cheat code where it's like, oh, well, you can kind of get back to default society if you need the luxuries of it, right? Yeah. But like, like, you know, are those people doing the full Mars experience? Yeah, but they're experimenting, right? Designed to fail, exactly, you know? So the more people going back, Kind of in the middle of camp is like either you know this lifestyle doesn't work for you or you know you need better infrastructure to make this lifestyle work for you and and how does one go if one wants to go there's an application process mm -hmm. uh, gene and freeman manage that they really rarely turn people away like they probably like said no to two applicants cool well thank you appreciate you telling me about life on mars yeah, well, you know, thank you for asking. I sent you an album that has some kind of photos of the structures and stuff. So you can oh, kind of get a better taste of the environment. Um, and there's like a nice aerial view where you can kind of see the four different structures and all the trailers around it. It's like a nice like introduction. Well, I guess I'll see Friday for office hours. Yep, Friday for office hours, but I'm talking That was then. Camille McRae. Um, She's awesome. I'm so glad she found the Near Future Laboratory. Super grateful yeah, for her participation too. in there and also excited she got into the MTP program over at Art Center. Great people over there, great mentors and great faculty. Okay, that's it. As I said, it's a mini-sode, so no dawdling, no excess calories. Remember, head on over to patreon.com slash nearfuturelaboratory to support the podcast, the newsletter, and the community. That's patreon.com slash near future laboratory oh and while i've got you please rate share and re write a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen there are like i don't know 14 ratings on apple Podcasts, and i know there are way more than 14 listeners so like you know help a fella out okay that's it thank you for listening
Seriously, thank you. I'm Julian, and I'm out.